0: Hey gang, this podcast is brought to you by Skullbrew Coffee Company. As you all know, this is a business that I started to give back more to conservation. We roast premium coffee that ships out within just hours of roasting, guaranteeing that you'll get the freshest coffee available. The kicker, we donate 10% of our proceeds back to conservation. You choose where the donation goes when you check out. You can check us out at SkullbrewCoffee.com. So let's do something great together and help protect wild places. One cup at a time. Visit skullbrewcoffee.com and pledge your support of conservation today. Hello and welcome to the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 112. Today John and I are joined by Cody DeCristo for round number two of our roundtable discussion, where we answer your listener questions and talk about mermaids. So, stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope y'all are doing well out there. Hope you're getting a chance to enjoy just a little bit of this good weather. I know turkey season just around the corner here it won't be too long until we start chasing the uh the springs of king or at least i'll i'll make a fabled attempt or a feeble attempt rather at at, at chasing a turkey this year um maybe this will be the year where i uh where, where i get lucky because as i as i've mentioned in the past i'm probably the worst turkey hunter on the planet so um but we'll give it a try nonetheless but we got a cool show today um as you met, as i as you probably heard in the in the intro uh we're, we're going to talk a little bit about mermaids which might not seem like deer hunting and um uh, In all honesty, it's not. But one of us on the panel, either John, myself, or Cody, Cody, uh, might have a thing for mermaids, and we'll talk about that a little bit, maybe a little Sasquatch talk. But by and large, we're going to answer the uh, the listener questions uh, that you all sent in a, uh, a a few weeks ago. We had a chance to all get together while I was out visiting John in Iowa. It was during the same time as the the Iowa Deer Classic, of course, and and Cody was there, and so we just kind of grabbed a booth at the Lone Wolf Custom Gear booth or a couple of chairs there and sat down just as the show was getting ready to open and uh, had a little session together. I thought it'd be cool to kind of bring him back on to to answer some questions. We talked a little bit about. Deer hunting, of course, um, and then we talked a lot about uh, just you know the, some of the questions you guys had had sent in. Um, one thing that we did kind of touch on that was kind of interesting, you know, I'm not sure you know everyone kind of is aware of of Cody's uh, prowess uh, when it comes to killing big deer, um, you know, but maybe some of you might not be as aware as his to his dedication of uh, in in the fitness realm and and lifting, bodybuilding, etc. Um, and so we talked a little bit about that. Actually, he and I started talking about it before we started recording because we both kind of grew up in extreme sports. And I know John was involved in a lot of that too, as far as like snowboarding and stuff. And we started kind of talking about a little bit just as far as, you know, those, you know, endeavors are really kind of a one man show um where there's really no one um there to help you necessarily. It's you, you kind of go out on your own, whether it's skateboarding, snowboarding, motocross, whatever the case is. You have people, of course, or your peers that you'd look to, to to kind of learn from and, and help push you and stuff. But when it comes to rubber meeting the road, it really comes down to your own personal, you know, efforts and your own personal will, and it's the same whenever it comes to, you know, for Cody, whenever it's lifting or bodybuilding or whatever, or me as I'm as I'm getting older, which is just, you know, uh, the will to get up in the morning and work out to to try to stay in shape. Um, but we talked a little bit about how those types of um, sports, you know, kind of play into how we approach hunting, and most specifically, kind of how Cody approaches, you know, hunting whitetail, you know, more as a um, a solo mission, and that uh, you know, kind of extreme uh, aggressive style that he has, and where that drive kind of comes from. So that was a really kind of cool uh, conversation that we had. That I that I'm looking forward for you, uh, for you guys to hear. But before we jump into uh, today's podcast, we do have. Uh, something really cool to, to mention. So as you guys know, I've been shooting obsession bows and our friends at obsession bows have decided to jump into the fray here with us and help us do a giveaway to get an obsession bow into the hands of, uh, one of you folks, one of you fine listeners out there. Um, you know, thank you. I want to first kind of make mention and say thanks to you guys for following, not just the podcast, but also, you know, following on Instagram and so forth that we've actually surpassed the 10,000. Uh, ten thousand follow mark, which so which kind of prompted me to want to do a, uh, a a giveaway and kind of recognition of that and thanking you guys for for supporting the podcast and and the the things that I that I'm into and that John and I are into on this podcast. So with that, I'm going to give some details here. So you know, you're kind of getting the first piece of information here in the in the podcast. So what we're going to be giving away is an HB-33. Now, if you guys haven't checked out Obsession uh, bows, I'd go to Obsessionbows.com and check them out. Uh, you can check out all their all their bows, but if you want to get a little bit more information about this one, it is there as well. And this bow is super versatile. Uh, it has a rotating mod system or cam system uh, that'll give you a wide range of adjustability. Um, it's super compact. It's lightweight. Um, it really kind of makes this a great whitetail uh, bow, especially for anyone who's going to be in a tree uh, whether it's a stand or a saddle. Um, and the draw length is able to be adjusted with the mods on the cam. So, you know, you don't have to worry about whenever, you know, if you win the win the bow, you don't have to necessarily worry about if it's going to fit your draw length or, you know, making sure that they send the right... Um, the right cams and, and, and the right limbs and so forth because this thing is adjustable across the board so just a few of the specs for this thing is it's a 348 uh, feet per second is the is the speed in which it shoots it's a 33 and a quarter axle to axle bow it it's uh, has a range of draw weight from 40 to 70 pounds which is adjustable and then it has a draw length that Kind of ranges from 26 to 30 inches, based on those rotating cams that I had mentioned. And also, if you win this bow, you can basically build this thing however you want with the different colors, patterns, and so forth that Obsession uh, offers. That's one of the cool things about their uh, their bows is that you can basically pick risers, limbs, string color, cam color, and stuff like that, and kind of build your own bow to the to to your liking as far as like how it's aesthetically pleasing. If you do have a shorter draw length than 26 inches, they do make specific uh, uh, cams that will provide a shorter draw length than that. I believe it's like 24 and a half inches to 26. I think is what the the range is for that. So after all this, the HB 33 is what we're going to give away. You're probably wondering how do I get involved to have a chance to win this bow. So this is how you how you're going to do it. If you want to get involved to win the bow, it's really easy. Uh, I'm going to do an Instagram post tomorrow. So on. March 21st is when I'll be making the post, and it'll have an HB33 Obsession Bow in the, in the visual. And you're going to need to do a handful of things to get entered to win. So, you're going to need to like that post that I put out on the 21st, and you're going to need to tag two friends in the comments. You also need to follow both Truth from the Stand Instagram, if you're not already, and Obsession Bow's Instagram pages. So basically four things that you need to do. You need to like the post on the 21st. You need to tag two friends and then you need to follow both truth from the stand and obsession, Bow's Instagram pages. You do those four things and we will put you into the running, uh, for a random drawing to, to pick a winner. And we'll actually announce the winner of the bow on the podcast that I'll release on the third of April. So you'll essentially have a week ish to get involved in the, uh, to get involved in the in in the giveaway and then we'll do a drawing and then uh, we'll announce it on the third so good luck to everyone out there thanks to obsession bows for getting involved in the giveaway we'll probably have a handful more giveaways coming from our friends at Arcus uh so we'll do some probably some broadheads and some product from uh from ramcat broadheads and so forth here in the upcoming future so good luck to all of you out there uh looking forward to giving away this bow and then uh with that we probably should move into the uh move just right into the podcast and get right to the meat of this thing all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast we are here at the iowa deer classic and we're doing round number two of q a and today on the panel i like calling it a panel the panel it sounds professional yeah or the penal
2: I feel like we're on a dating game. We're all, we panel. are on a dating Speed game. Speed dating. You two are sitting next to each other. You should hold hands. It's cute. We, we, we are holding hands. Yeah. How do you <laughs> know? Around the back. Yeah. <laughs> right? Nice. <laughs> we're here
0: to answer a few listener questions like we did last time. Of course, you recognize the voices. Johnny Utah Mulligan. What's yes, going on, brother? sir.
2: What's up? Good. Crashing at
0: your house, eating your food. I know. Putting my feet on your
2: couch. I feel like I need a cool nickname. With Johnny Utah sitting right here, well, you got what was the last time you introduced everybody? Like, oh, this is J- this is Johnny Hitman Utah, Johnny <laughs> and this is and this Rodeo, is Chad, Rodeo S- yeah. Sylvester, like whatever. And, and it's Cody and Cody's here too. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, oh man, yeah. Cody the Lone Wolf DeQuisto. How's they, that? They actually call me the Merman, but the, I'll I'll, the I'll, the I'll stick with John. dude.
3: I'll tell you, if I had a name like DeQuisto, I mean that like. Conquistador. I mean, that's you know what I mean. It's kind of it's got that ring to it. I like the merman. Actually, that's yeah. that's pretty solid. Merman. Dude, that's the merman.
2: We're getting a lot of heated discussions about the the topic if mermaids exist or not. <laughs> well, what do you think? Oh, they, they're out there. They're out there. They may not be out there right now. They were definitely out there at one point in time. It's only
3: because your secret obsession with Aquaman.
2: No, that's got nothing. That's
3: got nothing to do with it. It's Got nothing to do with it, John. Is there? Is, is there? An obsession I believe. I believe in the
2: aquatic ape theory, so I do think that there was some shit like that going on back then. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not going to disagree. We, I, I we would can,
0: agree. What? Okay. Now, what about Sasquatch?
2: No, I don't think Sasquatch is out there. Sasquatch, ain't real? It's just like the ocean. What yeah. a, what have we explored? Like well, like twenty percent of the ocean? Well, then the percent hasn't been. Touched. If you think about it, the yeah. ocean yeah, is really true. kind
0: of it's really kind Dude. of like outer space on Earth. If oh. you think about just, it, cause it's completely <laughs> un, unexplored. No, you know it what is. I mean?
2: Just a few years ago, they they found like this new species of whale that yeah. they never knew was there, and it was uh-huh. like hanging out in twenty foot of water. Like yeah, it's there's a, just so much water. Yeah, I think there's there's crazy stuff. Well,
3: there. and uh, that Jason Statham, you know, he had that documentary. Uh, what was it? The Me- Megadons? or. Oh, The the big uh, sharks?
2: The sharks, yeah. 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 I I think those were a fact. They got, like, fossils, don't they? I mean, it
3: was really a movie, but I'm just going to call it a documentary (laughs) because I think they're real.
2: (laughs) Well, anything Jason Statham says, you have to believe.
0: Just just
3: believe it. Just put that out there. face value. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I think there's aliens in in the ocean, man. I mean, considering
0: that we don't know that they're there or what they are or how the hell they got there. And there is,
3: correct me if I'm wrong, there is places they can go so deep that, like, the scuba stuff and, like, they can't even get down there without yeah. crushing the... It,
2: yeah, and I think that's different than like the mermaid topic, but there's definitely stuff down there that's... Yeah. that's now, what d-
0: about the Lost City of Atlantis?
2: Where are you at yeah. on that? Dude, I... I, I don't know. I'm well, a little Disney Being that. that... Yeah, I, I can't speak to that because I've never really looked into it and I never really thought about Do it.
3: Do you have a trident, though? I got like right. three of them. Okay, all right. <laughs> he might be a merman, you know.
2: He's got he's got a wall with his booners,
3: yeah. and yeah. then a oh, wall man. of
2: tridents. <laughs> it's funny because so there was a, there was a bodybuilding competition that I did a few years back, and um, they always have like for the overall you get like swords. It's like you win like oh, a sword, yeah, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was at uh, a competition with my buddy Irving up in Minnesota. And they had uh, axes, you know. It's like, you know, up north, you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, that axe, you know. I want to win it. yeah, Dude, I seen one where they had a trident. And I was like, that's pretty I got to enter. I got to enter it. That's pretty cool. But I never did. Well, speaking of
0: bodybuilding, that's a good segue, actually. Thanks for the setup. Appreciate it. <laughs> we're going to move Not intentional. <laughs> Not intentional. <laughs> but, yeah. But he, we're just profe- As he's flexing. Right. We're just here. professionals at this. That's how, it's, how it works out. Yeah. So we're going to do a QA and a here. We're going to answer some listener questions. A bunch of you guys sent some stuff in on Instagram, and so we're going to try to do our best to get through as many as we can before we go to release Cody back to the uh, the Lone Wolf Custom Gear booth here as uh, the, the show is starting to pick up. But uh, the first question is something Cody and I were talking about right before as you were walking over, John, as we started kind of talking about our past of extreme sports and how we were involved in mm-hmm. skateboarding, snowboarding, yep. you know, whatever the case was, you know, You know, Cody, of course, is into fitness and working out, bodybuilding. I like to, you know, work out as well. And I love MMA and that kind of stuff. And so we started talking about, like, how much does our past of, like, being involved in extreme sports and the mentality that it takes to have that kind of, like, one on one or single person kind of approach where you're either going to succeed or Mm -hmm. fail in your own accord. There's no one that's really going to be able to help you. How much does that play into our approach to how we hunt? I thought that was kind of an interesting topic. And, like, what we started talking about was that you know cody of course is known for being super aggressive we both we hunt all kind of in varying levels of aggressiveness and i'm like i like type two fun so i like things that are hard i like tough hunts I like to go places where my chances of success are maybe lower than usual and that it takes a little bit more to get it done but you have a safe word but i do have a safe word (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) but i never use it yeah (laughs) So how much do you think that kind of approach plays into the aggressive kind of mentality that we have for hunting? I mean, do you think you take things from that?
3: Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I think people, they toss around like the terminology like alpha male or this guy's, you know what I mean? I think that to do, to do what we do and the level that we do it, I, I think there is a lot of symbolism with those sports. You know, when I was snowboarding, I didn't have a team. I wasn't competing against anybody but myself when I was skateboarding. I was competing against myself, sometimes a wood ramp or whatever, you know. Right. Um, but also, it doesn't matter, I think, also, if you're in on a basketball team or a football team, um, even though you're in a team setting, every individual has to hold their own and hold their line or, or make that block or make that pass or the catch. So I think there's a lot of things that you can take away from sports – traditional sports Mm -hmm. you know what is you know a a bat and a ball i think there's a lot of things that you can take away from that and that parlays into what it is we do Mm -hmm. and i think the bottom line is is, you know if somebody has that inner drive if they're willing to push past and and keep challenging themselves
2: yeah i I get it too i i think i agree and i don't agree to what you're saying Mm -hmm. just because i think in a team sports setting you can always be carried and you can't when you're you know there's 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 always those guys. Now, I when you start talking about really upper upper like level professional
0: level where those guys are all in it, I right? mean, yeah, yeah.
2: and there but even then, even then. They I have mean, varying levels
0: of commitment. Th- exactly. Sure. There for there's sure. so
2: much variables there. You know, you can get carried, you could be carrying others. Uh, you know, when you look at things like, you know, like the extreme sport aspect of things or or even fitness in general, but like your your results, you know, via fitness is is you and only you it's your will you know how how much can you stick to your diet how much can you train how much can you be smart about things sometimes you can overdo it but uh it's it's the same thing with um you know uh hunting man i think it we were we were driving on that a couple minutes ago and it was just a really cool thing to look at because i not only correlate a lot of my go get them attitude that I, that I attribute to, like, whitetail hunting comes directly from bodybuilding. Yep. And I didn't even realize it came from the extreme aspect, extreme... Until we started th- talking Until we started about talking. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, dude, my attitude toward skating and snowboarding is, is ultimately what put me out because I was so aggressive at it. Yep. You know, and it's, you know, but it was... And I can even think about more into it now. You know, I'm aggressive, but, you know, to a conservative standpoint... Just like I am with hunting. Right. But I know that it's consistency, and it's being there, and it's getting the shit done. Like, yep. you're not just going to go nail that, like you, like you were talking about, that tray flip down a five stair, if you're not fucking hammering it, you know, and you, right. don't, yep. you, know, you don't put in the work, so. Yep. Um, no,
0: I 100% think, yeah. the same, think the same, man. Just, like, the will. Like, you got to have the willpower, the drive, the, the, the willingness to get hurt. You know what I mean? Especially yeah, in some of these extreme sports, and know that, like, you're going to have take, to bounce back. Take failure. And that's the one thing that we were talking about, was like, because in extreme sports, man, there is you know when people watch we'll just use x games as an example right or like a skateboard competition or whatever. you watch them land all these amazing tricks and stuff like that but like you don't see like the six months it took them to learn how to land that where they failed for six months straight at that one mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. backflip move or whatever you know and that they were falling into those pits full of all that soft stuff for like six months you know what i mean it's like that was six months of failure to get to that one moment of
2: of success yeah, or even street you know more so in the street aspect you know these guys and you know it's not so much of a thing nowadays with social media and 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 content varying content, but back when like video, like skate videos were a thing, yeah, yeah. and like video productions, mm-hmm. like that was a skater's job was to year round land those shots, those those ten to twelve shots to get a part in that video, mm-hmm. and that was a yearly th- like that was their their you know you didn't like you said you don't see the the busted knees and the in the you yeah. know just bloody freaking how many times
0: you caught a handrail in the nuts? Oh you know, yeah, mean, trying and,
3: to do a dark.
1: You,
2: side see grind? That, yeah. you see that you see that one three second clip like. Shh, and then, I mean, you're,
3: that's it, you know. It's, right. It's, yeah. So it's pretty. Um, well, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure to uh, to meet and become friends with uh, a guy, David Wise, um, two-time Olympic gold medalist, freestyle skier. And, and when I met him, I'd seen him on the slopes, and I'd seen his stuff on X Games and ESPN and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, sure, the guy's very talented, right? Right. And then we met, and he's, a, he's an avid hunter as well. And to meet him. You know, he kind of struck me as like an average dude. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, then you start thinking, some people just have that God-given ability or the talent that they're just really good at certain things. Once we became good friends, I started following him on Instagram and always watching his stories when he's in training mode. Holy crap, man. I mean, dude's like, we go to the gym and it's like, I'm there for an hour, two hours a day. Maybe I'll do two a days. This dude is training like 12 hours a day. Yeah, I'm it's like, not an accident. No, I'm like, yeah. this is it. So, yeah, he has that mental drive, and yes, he has some God-given, like, genetic abilities so, to do what so he does. So let me
2: ask you this. But he kills it. Here's the biggest question. Well, you said he's an avid hunter. Yep, yep, he is an avid hunter. I just, you know, I, you think about it in the, in the retrospective, somebody like that. You know, let's say you take Michael Jordan, right? hmm And you gave him the passion for bow hunting he had for basketball. He'd be one of the best bow hunters you, out there. Do you 100%. think he wouldn't be... Yeah. it's you know it, yeah. it's about i think adopting that that mindset and just well cuz
0: natural ability is only going to get you so far right yeah. it's like how you get to that level of like expert no. and elite is like the effort you put in because if you, there's yeah. a lot of guys out there that have whatever whatever you're doing or guys and girls whatever sport or whatever thing you're doing yep. there's a lot of people out there that have the same amount of ability that you have right the difference between
3: those who are elite and those who are good is the work that you put in yeah. to kind of capitalize on your abilities well and i think it comes down to three three components Ability or talent, you know what I mean. Uh, Access,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: you know, and that you can overcome. You know, if you want to do it bad enough, uh, I moved from Kentucky to Iowa. If you want to do it bad enough, you can go do it. Um, And then inner drive, you know, to keep to keep trying to be better and be better and be better. I mean, like this guy to my left, I don't really like him that much, but I know he's a better deer hunter than me. So I hang out with him. (laughs) on the right so he's a better deer hunter than i am so uh and, and no, and, and you know that was one of those things where like you and i've had conversations like i'm in iowa i've, I've had the opportunities and, I, and i've told him straight up i'm like hey this over the course of this next season like i want to come up and spend some time with you because you can learn from everybody you know yeah, and I, it's a it's a, it's something i want to get better at and i'm not i'll never admit that i know everything I can learn from this guy. I know I can, you know? Yeah, I mean,
0: I think even when we sit and we talk about talk like this, like, we all pick little things up from each other, like, that are just, like, small little things. And that's the biggest thing, is, like, is watching guys who are really excel at something, they're always able to pick something up from the person who's not as good, because they're they're trying something a little bit differently, because they maybe don't have as much
3: ability, or they don't quite understand something yet, you know? I'm hoping Cody picks up something from me at some point, but, you know, we'll see.
2: (laughs) I've, I've already learned so much, John. Yeah, right now he's so,
3: going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so like,
2: <laughs> no, please I'm a, dude, say something intelligent. But, but that's the thing. Like I, I keep a, I think I keep a pretty open mind about all that stuff. And like you said, if you want to get better, you can't, you can't close off. You gotta, be, you gotta look for it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and you're gonna. I mean, it's, and I always, I feel like a, a broken record, but we talked about it. Like with the fitness thing, it's just yeah. like, okay, if you're doing a diet that ain't working. We'll just change, change it up. Yeah, you know, change up your diet a little <laughs> right, bit, right? And try and keep changing it until you find out exactly what works yeah. for you. Yeah. And then you know, then just hammer it home. And you then know go all now, in. but yeah. we'll also what will also happen, just like way too honey, over the course of time. Let's say all of a sudden that diet ain't working, mm-hmm. and you're not cutting anymore, or you're not maintaining anymore. Fucking switch it up again. Yeah, you gotta tweak it. Like you know, tweak it. Just like plateaus in lifting. Yep. You know, if if you your main goal is to bench press five hundred pounds, right? Mm -hmm. You might go on a year routine where you're constantly making advances, and you know you get stuck in that routine. Well, then all of a sudden you hit the plateau. Well, if you can't adjust for that plateau, you're never gonna hit that five hundred pound bench. Yeah. You're never gonna kill that bigger deer if you don't get out like. And sometimes you got to go backwards to go forward. Yeah, so it's like maybe you
0: have you to change your, your, your routine up to where it's like maybe you were benching 450, right? Yep. You have to change your routine because you're not growing anymore. And then maybe you have to scale back to 375 and start at that point to kind of oh, yeah. yep. move forward. So yep. it's always a, a balancing act between, like, doing th- something that's familiar and doing stuff that works, right? And I think yeah. that that's kind of, like, the important thing whenever it comes to hunting is, like, that I know – You've been the two episodes we've done together. It's like that's the thing that I'm taking away more so than anything of, a, of implementing more next year is not continue to do the same things that hurt me in the past and try yeah. to look
3: at things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean. What is it? The definition of insanity? Yeah, you know, keep doing yeah. the same I, thing, expect yeah. a different result. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and that's something that's. And also, hey,
2: what about this one? You always miss a hundred percent. A hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yep. Correct. Hundred percent. Dude, yeah, boom him, mic drop we're done, him, we're, done. Him, we're done cut the episode yeah <laughs> let them fly let them fly boys <laughs> yeah. you know nice. i think that was a it, it's weird but you think i think a little things like that i think i seen that on a a back when i was in like high school on like a, a history teacher's mm-hmm. wall or something it was like a basketball player and i literally looked at it and i'm like it's fucking it's true. true yeah, it yeah. Is, I, mean, you know? it's, I mean it's just like a lot of these deer scenarios like i get a lot of people that i talk to that are like oh i'm not gonna I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to chance this, or I'm not going to try this, and I'm like, well, you'll never know. Yep. Yeah, could have he could have died, but not that I'm saying go go at everything with a, such a you know uh, half cocked approach, but you know,
0: yeah, I mean you have to take some calculated risks sometimes, yes. you know, and that's
2: yep. kind of the approach. Yep.
0: So yep. the next question here is kind of kind of falls nicely off this first one, which was this person's asking, what do we do to prepare during the off season to maintain success in the field? So could Should we we'll start. So off season, what? What do you do in the off-season that kind of helps set you up for success?
2: Drinking a lot of milk. Drinking a lot of milk.
3: (laughs) Drink (laughs) your milk, boys and girls.
2: (laughs) I had to throw that in there. Um, So it's funny because I was just thinking about this, too, and, like, and not to get too off-topic, but we were talking previously about my visions on I think of these deer, you know, in a sense of, like, I think of myself when I'm training, you know, in, in terms of, like, okay, trying to grow muscle, needing rest, you know, versus rat growth and, and pressure and all that stuff, so, um, but at the same time, I think out of season, what what gives me this, so much drive and intensity when I'm hunting, or, and then I'm able to keep hammering it day in and day out for months, and then, you know, not get any sleep, you know, I mean, and not have a problem with it, is that I'm not beating myself up in the off season. Right. Like, it, it's like I, I look at that as an off-season. You know, you'll hear that all the time. There is no off-season. Like, okay, yeah. well, good luck with no off-season. Like, you'll be just, burned out by next season. That's just not the way I look at things. Yeah. Just like, like, now, I, I guess it... Well, no off-season
0: doesn't mean you don't do anything to prepare, right? Yes. It's like, and that's yes. the thing that people need to uh-huh. understand. It's like, I think what you're kind of getting at is that there is always things you can be doing, but you have to be mindful of how much you're doing and when you're doing it. That way, you're, you're performing at your peak when it's prime yeah. time, yep. right? It's like... I'm not going out in the timber and grinding it every day like I do during hunting season. But what I am doing is shooting my bow a couple arrows every day. You know what I mean? Which is like not taxing on my body. I get to spend some time at home with the wife and the kid. They feel cool about it whenever I do leave in October because I'm kind of spending time when I have the free time. You know, so it's like off-season isn't necessarily about pounding the pavement. I would say even like off-season scouting sometimes people do too much of it and put too much stock into it. If you're gonna scout and you have limited time, like I feel like you should be taking that time, like rate right, either right before the season or as the season starts, or spend more time in this during the season scouting as opposed to the off season.
3: Yeah,
2: and I do like uh, I get what you're saying too. Um, I would probably say I definitely like to do scouting around this time of year uh, after the season's done. I who doesn't like to go pick up antlers right? at least yeah. look for antlers, yeah. but for sure. I'm more so, I mean, yeah, I'm trying not to burn myself out. Not that I would burn myself out. I think I would just keep driving for it. But more so trying, I'm trying to preserve my property for the year to come. Like, that's yep. more of the thought. So the less I'm jagging around in there, mm-hmm. uh, I feel the better about how my next season is going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, kind of like the the old uh, proverbial shove before the fight. Right. I am the last person that's going to sit there and shove with you. Like if it's going, if it's time, it's time, you know, like it's it's just one of those things where like, I would rather not, you know, kind of, right. Not saying I don't, like you said, not saying I don't do anything. I get out there every once in a while, but I'm not out there with notebooks, walking every day, scouting, like, you know, looking at what they're doing. And I might have a couple cameras up, um, that get thrown up when they start growing in like June, uh, but, you know, I, I'm an outdoor enthusiast. I got a lot of other hobbies that take yeah. take up my time. You know, I, I love to fish. You know, so I'm, I'm fishing a lot. I turkey hunt in the spring a little bit that, you know, I'm, I'm still out there, uh, not really focusing, like, hard on whitetails. Yep. Uh, I think it would just drive me nuts to focus on whitetails five months before I could actually go hunt a whitetail. Right. Like, it yep. just, it, it literally drives me crazy. I do,
0: like, a little break, man. It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm a shitty yeah. turkey hunter. I'll be the first one to admit it, but I like going to do it. I'm a shitty shed hunter you know what I mean but I like going to do it yeah. you know I, I take the approach of I do I shoot my bow a lot during the off season and then I tweak my gear during the off season it's kind of what keeps me connected yep. I kind of figure out what system's going to work for me the next year of what I want to do I start making a plan mentally of like how I want to approach the season like this year it's going to be more aggressive I'm going to probably adopt a little, a little bit more of what you and I have been talking about in this podcast Yeah. Um, you know for next year so those are the types of things I'm doing I'm not I'm not pounding the pavement so to, so to speak
1: but John what yeah. about you man
3: So, as much as I hate it, like in the off season, I I don't go to the gym as much as I want to, but it's mostly because you're spending so many so many hours out, and you're hunting late, getting up early. I'm just, I feel like I'm beating my body up. You in know the what off I mean? season? No, in season, in oh, season. So in the off season, that's when I go crazy. You know what I mean? I get back into the gym, and it's it's almost like um, preparing my body, um, you know, for for the season. Yep. you know, in a sense. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoy tweaking on my equipment and, and making little changes here and there, things that I can make little improvements on here and there. Uh, but you're right. I mean, and I've had the same thing happen to me. You know, we make a post, and it's like, yeah, uh, you know, during the off offseason I like to – you know, do this. And some guy's like, what are you talking about? You must not be a real hunter. There <laughs> is no off-season. It's 365, lifestyle Do rules. Yeah, and I'm like, chill, Biff Tannen. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, look, here's the deal, man. Yeah. Biff. yeah, I love Biff. Yeah. That was awesome. Like, make like a tree and get out of here. Get out but, uh, a good reference. Yeah, yeah. but so that, that that's my thing. I'm like, no, I get it. Yeah, there is no off-season. Like, because you're always doing something. You're scouting. You're scouting. You know, you might be doing something, you know, at the house, but, you you, you know, it's not going to stop you from I was thinking gonna, about a tree stand. <laughs> I was just
0: going to say that. Like, one of the things I think people uh, is probably the best thing to do during the offseason is, is kind of analyze your prior season. and Like, where are the mistakes that you made? And sure. how do you want to change it going forward? Well, we forward. talked about it you know in, I mean? in
3: a previous podcast. Yeah. I learn way more from my failures. So I look at all of my failures or shortcomings from that last season and how am I going to correct those into this season. Yeah, you know, and a lot of it's that you know, in front of the mirror, you're not a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I saw
0: Cody doing that with his phone, actually, just a little bit before the show yeah. started. Standing in front, you of you will yeah. do better.
3: Be- behind the banner, yeah, <laughs> he cried a
2: little bit. Just, then afterwards. Yeah. Smacking myself with a bamboo cane on the wrist, <laughs> yeah, getting his yeah. game pace on.
3: No, you, but I mean, what did you do? That's my thing. I think a lot of it is assessing assessing your failures and and, and then physically for me, that, that, I guess that'd be my mental side and then my physical side is I'm. You know, yeah. trying to trying to get in better shape, get faster, get stronger. and Because um, that does help. It does. I don't ever I mean, want to get in a situation in, yeah. where I'm the like, man, game the people, I will the people who, who
0: say that it doesn't go make further. a difference, but I'm Dude, too tired.
2: I, yeah, I've was. I, I went through some seasons in the past, like when I was, quote, unquote, trying to, like, bulk and really put on weight, like, at my heaviest. Yep. Like, that. you always joke about that one time when yep, you see yep. me, and I was, like, maybe, like, 230, you know, at 5'8". Like yep. I mean, just, that's big. boy, could I feel it. Right. like hiking through the woods and hunting like I hunt like yep. so being like you said in that you know looking at that and, and you know a, as you said that too subconsciously I think I do the same thing you know and I think that goes with I've always been been that type of guy that like to to move with the seasons a little bit you know yep. as it's winter I might maybe seem a little bit more lethargic but I start packing some stuff on and mm-hmm. then as I you know that summer sure. spring all that stuff you know you're like you're burning and you're at your you're at your peak you know almost like when the gunshot, you know, goes off to go. September one. Like I used to actually do a lot of competitions that like were in September and that would be like my my off season of bodybuilding and yep. it would just you know, hit the hammer of like hunting, you know, and then yep, I just right. yep. you know, go on. Yeah, on I mean a don't make any mistakes yeah.
0: like we're not saying everyone needs to be an Olympic athlete necessarily to hunt, but what we're saying is is that fitness does play a role in how yeah. you will feel and how much further you can go and Wait, we're, like... we're not
3: saying that no we're mm-hmm. not saying keep that. hammering's not a thing keep hammering's not a thing well i mean you could Cam be. Yeah. that's right <laughs> we like you I mean, Cam on. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 we're not, we're Dude, not that knocking guy's, that guy's a freak he yeah. is yeah, a, it's i mean, like yeah let me let me i don't run let me 60 say, miles a day <laughs> that guy is a freak i'm
0: not knocking it necessarily you know definitely going out west you definitely there is a level of endurance and shape you need to be in you to do that. different style of hunting to hunt white tails being in shape will help you. Yeah. You don't have to be, but it will definitely help you. Like oh, yeah. For, like, yeah. simple things like this. Most back pain is related to a soft core, right? Yep. So if you have a better core and you're better in shape, you're going to be able to sit in your tree stand longer, right? It's not going to bother mm-hmm. you as much. So it's little things like that. If time on stand is equal to more opportunities, then oh, yeah. if you have a strong core, you will have a strong back, which means now you can sit and stand longer. That's Those are the kind of things that I think about it when I think
2: about fitness and how yep. it relates to whitetail hunting. Western hunting different animal and that's the thing i've never i'm not a western hunter but i look at guys like cam hans and he jacks me up just because i'm like oh dude that's awesome because like he's i see like the stupid stuff that i i push myself to when i get in the in the grind and i see that he just keeps upping it and upping and upping it and he's just whacked out you know as far as which i love that like that's awesome you know i mean i i've i heard him say that one time uh i heard him talking or something and and I've gotten the same thing. People tell you, oh, well, you work out too much. Well, who the fuck says so? Like,
1: yeah. Who says I yeah.
2: Like, wh- right, how yeah. could you say that to me? Nobody, <laughs> nobody <laughs> needs that kind of negativity yeah, in their yeah. life, Cody. <laughs> <Yeah>. Eliminate <laughs> those people from your life. It's, yeah, it's just one of those things where, and I think I heard him say the same thing, and I was like, fucking right on, Cam. Yeah, right. You, yeah, yeah, Whatever, so whatever each cool. person
0: needs, man. You know what I mean? Everyone yeah. has a different level. Like, some people don't need to work out every day and feel good but you know, how, and, be, yeah. and be cool. You know, but some how, people
2: need to. How easy must it be for him to get up those mountains?
3: Oh, 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 my God. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The recovery time.
3: You know, I mean, just it's. He does those one deals where it's like a 24 hour run. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't he like bang out like 120 miles or something crazy in 24 hours? Like, that's nuts. Yeah. I'm feeling
2: a little bad about myself. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go run (laughs) tomorrow (laughs) or something. Yeah. Yeah. Probably shouldn't I have think had this deep-fried Twinkie. I think we should wake <laughs> up early and go do a little Cam Haines tribute around the city of De- Des Moines. Yeah, that's around that's the right. city of Des Moines. Yeah. Yeah, but. All right, so this next question,
0: this fellow writes in, this is more specifically for Cody. He's, he shot this in and wanted this question, so I guess John and I can leave. So I guess John's yeah. going to answer this. One. Yeah, great. Yeah. Okay. He said uh, he sh- wanted to hear how, how you, like, approach your setups, your stand setups. He said, um, like, when you, when you find a buck that you want to hunt, you know, what do you do and what do you look for? the moment you find and pick a tree and what does what do you use to kind of discern where you set up exactly
2: um definitely you know uh, it's definitely a puzzle so i'm using all the pieces so everything that's went into the you know the the looking for that deer where i think he might be you know like feelings i have if it's all clear <laughs> as day there like i find a, a spot that i know he's bedding in well then i'm just gonna try and you know, uh, pick a tree that's going to be right for that wind, um, for when he comes in, or I'll, I'll back off his trail a little bit if I can't get in there. I do like a nice tree. Uh, if it comes down to tree versus uh, like spot, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd go spot all, all the, the all whole day. time. You know, yeah. so if it's a little tree, I'll get in it. If it, if I got that perfect wind, so mm-hmm. I think I have a. Um, kind of a checklist. I like low sets. I like cover. But if I can't get them, I won't not hunt them just because they're not low and not in cover. But right. more so, I just, you know, want a bulletproof spot with that wind um, to uh, uh, to make it happen. I don't know if I talked in a circle there, but... No, um, that makes
0: sense. I mean, it's, I think it's some of the stuff we talked about another time where, you know, you're, kind of your approach, because I know you're... I mean, guess... Let's talk a little bit about... Like,
2: I'm an opportunist, man. Right. Like, so that's the thing, too. Like, uh, if I see something in that setup that like might strive me to like not overlook the the obvious sure. right if i can do it i can do it you know if i can if i even if i find his bedding area and i got a good tree well if i know i can just back up and get him on the you know where i think he's coming to that bedding area i might not just go because it is tough to get out of those areas if there's a, if it's an actual like bedding area well because well, they're gonna bed there for a reason and you're gonna have you know? other deer you know in there that you're going to, you know, mess up when you leave or if he doesn't, so there's a lot of that stuff. So, uh.
0: Right. And so it's, you know, and I know that you'll set up too for an opportunity for a sitting shot too. So it's like, you're also oh, yeah. looking yeah. for the position. Yeah.
2: And then that's, well, that's something that, um, that's something I'll make happen then with once I have analyzed the wind and then mm-hmm. analyze mm-hmm. that spot I want to be in and I got that, I'll get up there and then my stand is always the same time or it's always the same, same way. Right. Um, there's maybe ten percent of the chance, time that I'll do the set, and not have that seated shot, mm-hmm. and that's just because like, okay, this tree is a hellion, and I I have to be standing or I have to be doing this, right. and I'll kind of roll with the punches like that. But, yes, that's that's definitely weighing into my decision, um, and it also depends too the type of timber. So if you get even deeper into it, well, yeah, I'd like to be seated or I'd like to be seated when he comes in. Am I gonna need? To, like, am I going to be able to get away at movement? Do I have a big tree? You know, can I, am I five feet off the ground in a pole, in a little sapling or, so everything kind of goes hand in hand, whether, you know, what the area is looking like, the type of tree it is. Right. Um,
0: you're not going to force, if you can back out and get him somewhere else, you're going to take that approach, right? But also if, if this is a spot you need to be in, like you're, the way you hunt kind of aggressively is like, you're going to figure out a way to make that spot work. Like, whatever yep. tree you need to get yep. into to make that shot, get to get that yep. shot opportunity. If that's the only place it can happen, yeah, there's going to be a way to get into
2: it. And that's like what we talked about before where like your stand and your saddle and all that stuff comes into play is mm-hmm. that you know, it's you cannot be carrying around a piece of equipment that will not let you get anywhere you need to get. Yeah, yeah, So, exactly. You know, I mean, and that goes back to like the, the postseason stuff, right? The
0: off-season stuff, like as opposed to beating up a property. Be checking your gear and making sure it's going to be able to do the things you need it to do whenever it comes at that time. That you can get into any tree you need to be able to get into, yep. or that you can hike a little further because it's a little lighter, or whatever the yep. case is. Right? It's like that's a big part of the offseason. So, what about you, John? Like, whenever you find a setup, say you find that double beam buck.
3: <laughs> well, since I have about seven of them, double on my, beam on, bucks? On my lease right now. Yeah, no. double beams. Um, no, so whenever I do find find that deer, um, you know. Like I said, not to not to kind of copy the answer, but I mean it's, it's very similar. Um, if I know that there's a ridge, obviously I look for what's going to work. And and with the mobile style hunting, I know that I can get in pretty much any tree, with the exception of you know stupid right. trees. Um, but I'm also going to try to, you know, I think Cody's a lot more aggressive than I am. Whereas I might spend a little bit more time trying to back up before I make my first play. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe a direct correlation why he's killed more Boone and Crockett deer (laughs) Um, but that's something like when we talk about looking in the mirror like you're not a loser it's one of the things I tell myself every year I'm like be more aggressive be more aggressive you know what I mean Um, so I try to I will try to find an ambush spot I'll identify a wind that's going to work for me and then I try to set for that you know or it may be a pre-hang I may not even try to kill him right away but if it's something like hot, what we call like hot intel, where it's like mm-hmm. i got to get on this buck the next few days, especially if he's velvet and he's getting ready to go hard horn. Right. I'm like, yeah, I, can't, I can't wait. i got to go. Um, I do try to play, play win as much as possible, entry exit as much as possible. And, and I do love surprise attacks. I love going in saying, you know what, hey, hey, babe, I'll tell my wife when I'm leaving the house, I'm like, I'm going to go kill Squiggles or whatever his name was. You know, I'm going to go kill him today. You know, right. You know. Squiggles, you know, whatever the deer. Squiggy. it's
0: like Laverne and Shirley over here. Yeah, yeah.
3: but uh, like you know, I might try to go in and kill that particular buck, but like I said, typically I'm a little more reserved and I'll try to back out a little bit. Betting areas have never played well for me, and betting areas is one of the things that, like, I know if I got up to your area, I was going to be like, all right, walk me through a betting area, you know, scenario because. I just I I shy away from them, and it's either a lack of knowledge or a lack of confidence. Yeah, sometimes I'm just, I'm kind beds. of in the same boat. It's like I will nip at the edges
0: before I yeah, dive, yeah. before I dive in, and that's something I'm going to try to change. Cody's this year. like boom, 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 kick the door open. <laughs> Cody's in
3: the house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah. part of it's the same. Part but, of it's the same, though. It's like I don't yeah. know that I'm con- like. There's been a handful of times where I found like a buck bedding, like a buck bed, or like an uh-huh. area that I knew where uh-huh. a buck was was living, um, and I. I probably hung back probably a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then just to the same thing you, to, you said, John, it's like, I'm just not a hundred percent confident that like I'm able to kind of pinpoint where those betting opportunities for a buck are. I sure
2: it's just like, I'm, I keep thinking back to how we started. Yep. Like you're thinking of that trick, right? Yep. Like you want to nail that, I don't know, five Oh down some handrail, right? It's the same shit. Like, well, yep. you know, I'm, I might try it a couple times and I always bail early. I never fully commit to it because, well, I don't, you know, e- either it's a feel, uh, feel, uh, fear uh, fear of failure yep. Yep. or yep. it's yep. like, oh, maybe. I don't really know if I have that move down. Like, well, but to that same point, you know, I've screwed up a lot doing that too. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where it's, it's a trial and error deal too. And, right. and you have to be prepared to screw that screw that up right
0: well so yeah. off of that let's build off of that for a second like so whenever you're looking for buck betting right like what's your kind of what what's your approach And we can use the Midwest approach like if you're dropping on a new property in Iowa somewhere like what are what land features, what habitat features are you kind of like looking at at first to say like you know what
2: there's probably a good chance
0: there's bucks bedding, bedding in this particular area or this part of the farm or this part of the um, property.
2: I think before any of that, I, I like well I like to look at the aerial. I surmise you know maybe thickets or something that I think that they might be held up in. But there's a lot of uh, peculiar, uh, odd bedding areas you know uh, or maybe not bedding areas, but you know big deer bedding some pretty pretty wild places sometimes too on like little you know hedgerows or you know by mailboxes and so there's a lot of things you can end up finding but um i think majority majorly, i'm just trying to find where the deer are so just walking that property without any specific like really um going to point a going to point b like just taking a nice stroll seeing what's going on um surmising then after that after that walk of, okay, well, yep. where where do I think these, if you're not getting super, like, you know, not trying to pound it, but you're just trying right. to learn a property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even even learning stuff, like, there's there's farms that I've hunted, you know, that, you know, you think, like, well, shit, man, I'm gonna... You'll learn more and more and more. It'll take... it. You'll be hunting that place for 12 years before you really, like, like know what like inside hand. and right. out, you know? Yeah. So, yep. just walking the place, seeing where deer frequent, you know, seeing... You know, different things that deer are you know eating in that area will give you uh you know a, a big clue as to well okay where do I think they're hanging out you know if mm-hmm. if they're they're browsing here they're you know their main you know uh, water source and just taking all these little little sort of things in account you know on a on a typical typical stroll of a scout would be would be probably like the best right um, my best tactic or, or, or way about it
0: right and then you know the other the next step for you that i guess feel like is and what might be different than some people who are hunting buck beds is that you're doing a lot of in-season scouting looking at like fresh sign and, and yeah. hunting hot signs yep. so it's like yep. you're letting that kind of dictate then where to tell you where the buck is bedding at at that moment right yep. so yep. that's kind of the
2: yeah and some of those yeah some of those areas can be the same um through a long period of time and some of them can change and you know right as soon as the rut starts coming in, you start getting a lot of, you it gets know, swirly. and that's yeah. the and that's the type, you know. So when you when you look at it, it's really kind of a big, a big change in, in patterns the whole way, or, or at least the for the the meat and potatoes of the season, if you will. Right, you, know, you got that early and you got that late. That everything will gravitate back, I think. But um, or even too late, you know, depending on the winter, depending on like I know right now, like uh, you know. Every day we're scared these deer are gonna start dying with all the freaking ice and everything. That's like yeah. they just can't get to anything. I mean, we've yeah. been getting socked with snow, and we get a day that's sixty degrees, and then we get, you know. But to that point, you take a walk right now, and if you can't find where those deer are, I mean, like, right. it, It's one of those. It's a lot more of a concentrated route and in pattern, you know, because they can't.
0: There's limited places. Yeah, they can't be able to get it anywhere up. else, you know. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Nice. All right, so we'll move on to the next question. I think I already know how Cody's going to answer this one. So, so this uh, fellow writes in. He says, "Do we have any tips for hunting bucks that go nocturnal?" Um, don't let me down. I, I know how you're going to answer this. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know now because I thought it would just fly right out. I've got
3: I've got two possible th- answers yeah, that he's going to give. I,
2: I so okay. I, I I would like to say I don't think there's such thing as a nocturnal buck. Um, but I've, I've hunted in areas where, when the pressure's on, I, literally have seen. You know, I know these deer wait till the cover of, of darkness to get up. With that being said, I think there's always somewhere you can kind of dip around on the other area. But if that buck, it, it, what I say to that is, if you're so, if you're so confident that this deer's nocturnal to where you know where he's at. And yep. you know he's not moving in daylight. Well, then you should go kill him, because go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If yeah. you have that piece of information, it's like. And this is a deer that I failed on. But like, I uh-huh. knew this buck wasn't coming out of the swamp, and I couldn't access the back of the swamp. It wasn't coming out until dark because he knew I was there because I wasn't doing shit right. This was this right. was in early in my in my hunting, you know, and and then you know, well, and the aggressive nat- nature, well. Go in there after him then. If you know where he's bedded, well, go bump him off that fucking bed and start chasing him. Get him to move in daylight. Right. It's as simple as that. And for those people who think, like, oh, I'm only getting a camera picture at 1 o'clock, he's nocturnal, and that's your only thing you're going off of? Yeah. Dude, go back to the drawing board because you're missing out on so much info. Yeah. Quit relying on those cameras with just a – I had a buddy like that who was hunting a buck, claimed he was nocturnal. The only pictures were at night. And I get a lot of people don't have big farms, and, and that can happen too. Yep. But if that's the case, dive into it. Find it out. If you can't get to him where he's moving in daylight, then you can't get to him.
0: Right. And then, you know. Well, See, that was the that was the answer I thought you were going to go with, which was like the classic, like, you know, find another fucking deer. Like, I yeah, thought, right, you know, yeah, you know, that yeah. was well, like, I thought that, that, that was what you were going to go with.
2: Well, and that's where I would get to, once you've done your diligence and you've backtracked that deer and you're confident, shit. He's, you know, he's. He's neighbor, he's betting on the Brady property, and he is not crossing this fence. The Tom Brady property. The Tom Brady property, because that guy is hunting some primo shit. Yeah, he right. is. Yeah. Anyway, so those Giselle this
0: Giselle does.
2: So why he's even coming over <laughs> from the Brady property? I don't right. know. But anyway, if it, but to that point, if you figure that out and you know that, well then well then give up, man. Now, and if it's a deer that you can't give up on, well then wait for him to slip up. Yeah, that's the only thing you can do. I'm not going to advocate trespassing, you know. So right. Yeah. Just you know, get as close to you can or he's moving as close, and then you might have to rely on some of that, that squirrely nature. Like, you might have to come on, rely on him getting a little bit, you know, aroused with the rut coming up or wanting to mark their territory more, and he might start moving, you know, closer to daylight hours. But right. um, That's the thing, too. Yeah, don't marry him. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about well, you, John? I
3: think, I, kind of like what Cody was saying, I think there's a lot of people who, uh, who miss kind of conceived the whole nocturnal, yeah. you know, deal. So, Okay, he's restricting a lot of his movement to the evening hours, whether he feels pressured or that's when he feels safer or whatever. Uh, Again, your trail cameras might just be catching him in his evening feeding pattern loop. You know what I mean? And the guy's like, "Eh, I'll only get pictures at night. Well, probably because your camera's in the wrong spot. You need to backtrack and find out where he's coming from. And it's not like he went into his hole during the day. He just might be laid up someplace you know what I mean? Bobbing for apples, you know, in the timber, you know, with his head mm-hmm. on the nod. So I think anytime uh, one of these writers, who often are very gifted writers in these mm-hmm. magazines, you know what I mean? But they, you know, how to solve the nocturnal buck dilemma, and then the guy reading it, you know, says, you know what, Cody, that's what happened to me last year. I would have killed that buck that's, if he didn't go nocturnal. That's, that's selling tickets. That's what that that's is. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I, I do, I like I like the editorials, but to, it almost gives excuses sometimes. Yeah, well, I think there's sometimes see, a
2: disservice
0: that's done with some of those tips of, like, this is how you do this. It's like, to your point, Cody, it's like there's a lot of things that are going in, into that, right? There's a lot of things about that buck that you might not know. It's like I had one two seasons ago on our family farm. <laughs> I watched him for two years, and I only ever got, during the summer, I'd get daylight pictures of him. He would stay around after he would go hard horn, but by, like, October, like, tenth he would go completely nocturnal i'd only ever get him on like a few scrapes and it was always at night right so i kept kind of watching him and i set up for a late season hunt and i caught him coming to a food source super late like just 15 minutes before dark i got that last puzzle piece and i finally figured out where he was bedded he was bedded on the neighbor's property he was using his pinch point to get from point a to point b so now all of a sudden i backed up a little bit and it was the last hunt of the season i saw him i sat for him Four hunts in a row at the end of that season, and I saw him all four hunts. I just couldn't ever get the right tree to to, to get him, right? So then the next season, I was like, I know what he's doing. He's going to keep that early season pattern. So I'm going to move a little further back, closer to his bed. I'm going to kill him on opening day. He showed up within 30 yards with a group of, like, a couple. I didn't expect him to bachelor it up still, but he had a couple spikes with him, and one got up underneath my stand, winded me, just walked away, then he turned around and walked away and never got an arrow in him. But it was like I figured out the puzzle because the last piece I had was like, where is he betting? Because I got him in these places yeah. Yeah, he at night, just, and he I was just changing
3: to, up some bedding patterns when he went hard. Well, that's corn. the one thing I would His ask this fall person. It was a little different.
0: I would ask this person. It's like when is he nocturnal, mm-hmm. right? Because because this buck was shoot killable early season for me, and he was killable late season. He wasn't killable from mid October through the rut. Like forget mm-hmm. about it. Because he was he was never coming over early enough yeah, onto yeah. our property from the yeah. neighbor. So it's like I would ask this person, like, is this buck just nocturnal always? Or does he have periods of being nocturnal? Because if he's nocturnal and, or he's daylight moving early October, kill him early October.
2: And that's the thing. To really answer a question, like, with a, with a very good answer, you need a lot of details. Yeah. You know, yeah. What's making you say he's, he's nocturnal? Let's dive into that first. How know? many trail cameras are you running?
3: You know, yeah. have you ever or, moved them?
0: So is Brian, he the dominant buck on the property or do you have a more dominant deer? Like... There's a lot of things that you need to kind of figure out. You know, yeah. There's what type of crops are on the property? Do you have a lot of mass in the timber? You know, what I mean? is there a reason why he's not showing up?
2: You know, yeah. There's there's variables there that really really start to play into uh, into the nocturnal uh, circumstance. And and bucks can do it, but most of the time that I've seen or that I've heard of bucks actually being nocturnal is when they know you're there. Yeah. Like if if they've outsmarted you and you're not you're not doing your diligence to hunt right. And yeah. they know you're there. Well, th- why would they get up and walk around you? Yeah, they're not. You know, it's, it's just the bump a dump turns
3: you into a chump. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That's a yeah, that's but a good I, one. it's. I mean, they have to feed five times a day, though. So they have to. They. It's not. There's no deer that is completely nocturnal, right? He's just nocturnal to you because you're not in the right place he's, or the cameras he, yeah, he's aren't he's the not right. He's nocturnal in your area, right? Because they have to get up five times a yeah. day. To feed. But I guarantee so he's got to get the move.
3: Yeah, he is above ground somewhere in daylight hours. Yeah. He might be sleeping, you know. He, he's someplace.
0: All right. So this next fellow here writes in, "Can you discuss tactics for locating a mature buck on public land during the summer? How do we approach oh, How do nice. we approach
2: that?" I don't I don't ever look around in summer, so I, I could I'd, I'd, I'd probably... I would
3: probably I mean I mean it's one of those deals. I, I have come across places where I'm like, That's a, that'd be a great buck bed. But I don't know if it's a two-year-old living there. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a five-year-old, if it's six-year-old. I don't know if it's a spike living. You know what I mean? So um, that that becomes visual at some point. Yeah. Uh, throw away the theory of big bucks only are going to, in past lights rub on big trees and that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can go on the hoof tracks hmm good forefinger and you're in the you know you're in the money so that's a mature buck right but i think visual is where you got to find it i can't say definitively uh that only mature bucks would bed in a thicket like that right cody i mean you know what i mean like i don't think there is good safe zones mm-hmm. but it could be a good safe zone for a doe yeah uh you know, like I said, and, and I feel like an idiot when I say it. I'm like, man, now that looks like a big mature buck bed. I'm just being an idiot and just saying that, you know? Like, right. I don't know that there's any big bucks. Big bucks only sleep in king-sized beds and not queen size yeah. beds, you know? The only thing that I really do,
0: and, it's, and this isn't an exact science, is I will – I know you guys do this too. It's like I'll go out and I'll glass properties near public that I might want to hunt and see if there's big mm-hmm. deer out in a bean field or something feeding and say, mm-hmm. okay – I know there's a big deer here if he if he's living in this public or not I don't 100% know but I know he's around. Mm-hmm. And then you know when I hunt Ohio it's like I often go out in August and do kind of walk through it's like I'll literally look for old big buck sign and say they may not use it that year but I can at least say at one point in time this area was good yeah. for to have a big buck in it right so if and if the sign's maybe two years old, it's like the habitat maybe hasn't changed that much. So it's like, okay, I can maybe throw a hunt at this now, throw a camera up in August and then see and come back in November and catch see yeah. what inventory I have and then put the pieces together that way. But unless you have public ground in a state that they're doing a lot of like food plotting on and stuff like that, or farmer or they're leasing it out to farmers or whatever mm-hmm. where you can get like a bean field that's gonna be on the public or whatever, which does happen in Ohio some. That to me is like the one only way you can really figure out if there's gonna be a big buck there. And even then the dispersal when they get hardhorn there's no yeah. guarantee I mean, he's you still gotta gonna be there.
3: you gotta have the visual but i am a firm believer what is once a buck bed will oh, always yeah. be a buck bed so like if let's say there was a four or five-year-old buck whatever living in this bedding area and he gets killed the next buck that comes through the area is going to be like huh that's a pretty damn good spot you know what I, I think i might claim this spot you know and that's where you hear about those guys that you know on the same property. And hunting the same bedding area every year, they kill a big buck, a new big, you know, like a big buck moves into that area, you know?
0: Have you ever seen that, Cody?
2: Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know if I would marry that theory personally, like, like bed would you date bed. It? Or, would you date it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I like the way this theory is looking. I don't, I don't know if it's up to my standards. Um, no, uh, I'm going to slum with this theory for a little bit here. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's there's awesome bedding areas that will always be awesome bedding areas, I think. I mean, I, I'm i not going to say that, like, okay, if a 200-inch buck beds here, a 200-inch buck will always bed here. Like, it'll always be the mega giant that bed. I don't think so. No, no, right, um, right, no. Now, I mean, and even, you know, it, it comes, I think a lot of that, too, is, like, uh, you know, a deer's experience. And like, now there's there's spots that are always gonna work out great for deer just like there's there's those magic pinches that are always gonna pinch animals down when they want to get from point A to point B right like there's there's that going on um, but a lot of that and I think what you're talking about is I mean if you're killing deer and you're harvesting deer out of an area you know you're always gonna have another crop coming up right you know now I have seen areas that I've killed deer in within days new bucks move in but I think that's not like a bed scenario that's more sure a territory scenario and you know those bucks didn't want that competition of that that big boy or that that old deer they didn't want to deal with the the hassle you know uh and it's temperament it's it's just it's there's a lot of differences right a lot of things that that make that up and because um, i've because i've done it early on i i've killed deer off beds and thought for sure oh like, I know exactly where he was bedded. That, that, that is going to be, um, you know, a spot where I got buddies that do that, that like hunt some of my old spots that were like awesome years ago. And I just, and I'm sometimes I'm like, dude, it's just not happening there, man. Like, just give but, it Yeah, up. but it's such a good spot. And I'm just like, well, yeah, and it's been, you know, and, and there's even spots like that that like I throw a sit at that I just can't get out of my head. They're, they were that awesome. And I don't know if they'll ever be a good spot again, you right. know. And, and there was a and that buck had that area fucking tore up. That was his place. It took me weeks to find him. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know where the hell he was. That was like probably the worst. That was probably the buck. Um, and this certain piece of property, I literally have problems finding this this spot every time I go looking for it. That's how fucking Narnia this spot was like. And when I found it, I'm like, oh, this is always going to hold a giant. Like I had that in my mind. Right. And it's never held a giant. It's been, like, six years now. Really? Never. <laughs> Never. So I'm just like, fuck that spot. Right. You know, so it's just kind of... And that's a lesson in getting married to a spot. Yes.
0: You know yes, what I it mean? Is. It's like... Yes, it's, it is. Because how many... I mean, that's one of the biggest things, I think, for most deer hunters, is they think one spot produced one time, it's always going to produce. Now, there are certain funnels, like you were saying, yeah. that like that are always going to pinch deer down. Yep. There's mm-hmm. always... So it's like... And I usually just refer to those as rut funnels, right? It's like... Deer are going to cruise between a bedding area, two bedding areas, and there's a pinch there, they're going to have to pass through. So it's like you're going to see bucks, but is it going to be the right buck? I don't know. But you'll have a chance to see bucks probably. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or, you know, a lot of people now are like just really going crazy and and doing a lot of timber cutting, like to force deer in certain directions. Yeah. And now, you know, I can't. So that's something like I can't speak on any of that. If you have, if you got a whole freaking 10 acres of shit hinge cut with goddamn, you know, pathways in it, well, right. I can't say that that's not always going to produce a giant. It probably will. Like, if that's, like, if you're yeah. catering your land to that. Right. You if, know. You're, if
0: you're doing things specifically to try to grow giant deer yeah. And, yeah. And, put, and make them you know. move certain ways, because there's plenty of habitat specialists that that's what they focus on is, like, putting certain types of food in certain areas with certain types of cover in certain areas because they're going to move the deer yeah. on this type yeah. of route through their property. Like, I know, you know, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Jake Ellinger from Michigan, big property specialist or whatever. And like, that's kind of like how he has his property set up. Like he knows how the deer are going to travel. Cause he's got it set up. They're going to hit he this. Made it that way. Exactly. He <laughs> yeah. spent 20 mm-hmm. years yeah. p- putting that property together to do exactly what it does now. But all right, next question. So this is uh, one about urban hunting. So do we do any urban hunting? And if so, how do our tactics change? So I guess I can take the first stab at this one. Cause I do urban hunting or whatever. So for me, Like, your tactics don't necessarily change per se. Like, you're still kind of reading and looking at all the same things. But what does start to change is that you have a lot more variables that are going to be in play, right? So whenever you're hunting the timber, it's like you might be thinking about, you know, I have this deer on camera, and I know I've seen him bedding here. He's going to use this trail. Now there's simple little things like the kid's coming out to jump on their swing set or the person walking their dog down the street. Or the mailman just came by and dropped off the mail that are now going to start to change like how you hunt, you know what I mean? Or have to change or change or should change how you hunt because all those things or external pressures are going to change what the deer are doing. Mm. The biggest thing that I learned this year in hunting this swamp that was er, that was in a, like a suburb setting was using the sound of the road as my cover walking in because there was only one way to get in this swamp. And I knew that deer were bedding at the beginning of the swamp. I couldn't get access on any of the private properties around it to get in. So it was my only way in. And I was bumping deer every time I was walking through. So what I started doing was I stopped going in in the morning, whenever it was quiet, I I waited until traffic was heaviest, like around rush hour, like around nine o'clock. And I would walk in and every time cars and big trucks would go by, I would walk. When traffic lightened up, I would stop. As soon as traffic started moving again, I would walk again and use the road sound as my cover sound as I was walking in. And once I started doing that, I stopped bumping deer out and the hunts got a lot better. Now the deer ended up disappearing and I have some stuff to learn on that property yet, That's kind of how things changed up for me. Is like your environment changes. So start thinking about how that environment has changed and what pieces of that environment can I start to use to my advantage now? So that's kind of my approach.
3: I don't have a whole, whole lot of experience with very, very urban situations. Um, I had a property in downtown Cincinnati, hunted it two days and killed that second morning. You know, went in there one evening, no good, left everything in the tree, came right back in the morning. Um and and was able to, to get one. It was a a, a late uh, uh, October twenty sixth, you know, something like that. But um what I thought and I still believe in an urban situation, I think you can get away with a little more on your scent. They're used to smelling, you know, humans, especially some if spot, humans are in some living... spots you'll
0: smell someone's laundry. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. legit. It depending on so how close you're set up to like the I yard. I
3: played on that and and it was like you know, i can be as aggressive as i want and it literally this deer walked down my trail followed my book you know footprints right in and and me and my my hunting buddy mike at the time he was running a camera for me that day and there was a place in this field where we stood there we stopped and we're like i think that tree will work i'm like you know what i don't know maybe that tree there and we literally kind of did the little dance you know on the ground and when the buck came in that's what the buck did. The buck was kind of like <laughs> looking around and ah, I got an arrow in me. I'm dead. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. my experience with urban urban hunting. I think you can I think you can you can push the envelope on the scent control.
0: Yeah.
3: Any thoughts from you there Cody? Uh
2: yeah, I I agree with like the scent control too. I mean, it, I'm never going to probably go in a spot where I know my my wind is wrong just from I can't get my yeah, I, don't yeah. Know. I can't Could get with it, but it. I definitely get that. It dep- I guess. I would ask, or I would go by how urban we're talking. There's, I mean, yeah. are we talking in the back, in the like the back of a, a Kmart, and there's three acres, well, and you know there's a slammer? Or are we talking like, oh, this is a nice quiet subdivision on the outskirts of the city? Like, well, so I
0: just recently so yeah, that's yeah, I two scouted two totally different things. So I hunted one that was like behind like a subdivision that was near like a. a a, a gun, an outdoor gun range, right? Yeah. There was a swamp yeah. that was in between the gun range and in between a bunch of houses, right? And it was like 25 acres, right? So that one's more a little bit like what John's talking about, right? Where you have people's laundry, their kids are running around the backyard. So they're kind of... There's human scent around them, so they're not as worried. Oh, yeah. Now, I've walked through a place and scouted recently one that was behind a shopping plaza yeah. that was along a railroad track. Those were honey tor- holes right there. Well, oh, it yeah. was tore up with some it was tore up with some serious sign, you know what I yeah. mean, like to where...
2: Yeah, those deer definitely are more used to, I mean, they are they got people walking, you know. It's it's like these, you know, parks and stuff, and, you know, you see deer, people feeding deer, and um, there's urban areas that are, you know, fenced off and people hunting on adjacent properties. But, you know, when you got, you know, when, when these deer are going through their entire lives of, uh, you know, being fed by humans and not being bothered by humans and they don't really have much to worry about as far as, like, predators go, like, dude, it's like, you know, I mean, you're, what better scenario could you have to, like, just go kill something, I think. Right. Uh, so that's where, I mean, but I've, you know, I've hunted some pretty cagey deer that were in, like, that other setting, like, oh, well, there's, like, here's a subdivision on the end of a farm road where it's like, yeah, you're in city limits, but these deer are still living in swamps and they're right. still, like, you know, I mean, yeah. they're still deer, yeah, they tolerate all the the people and the commotion and the sense, but they're yep. not they're not dumb, and not that like, well, those city deer, like the really urban ones, can can get pretty lax, right? And, yeah, and those those are. I got I got a couple of friends that kill some really good urban bucks all the time just because yeah they got that you know dialed in yeah there's
0: a couple of dudes in Georgia I think in Atlanta they're just killing oh hammers, yeah yeah me. like yeah. I think he killed like a I think it was a 200 inch deer that he killed this year one of them he yeah. was hunting it for like six years or something like that something oh, crazy yeah. all right next question here is uh so this one's kind of a fun one so what's the craziest thing we've seen while hunting the craziest thing you've seen in the timber while while you were hunting. It might be not in the timber. It might be at your truck. Who knows?
2: I like this question. Yeah, could this this <laughs>
0: get weird. This has got me. This has got me thinking. Go. I'm trying to think of. Uh, so the, for me, the craziest one in the timber was is I got way too close to a mama bear and two cubs while I was in Alaska. And I'm like an idiot. I was watching the cubs, letting them get super close, and then mama came around the corner and. I had to change my shorts, pretty much, and then I looked. At, I was hunting with my dad, and like once the bear finally left, and you know, I thought I was going to have to shoot from the hip in defense. Coming right for me, and uh, I looked at my. I just turned around and looked at my dad and said, "Yeah, I'm ready to go now." <laughs> like I was like, "That's it, I'm done." So that was kind of probably one of the craziest encounters I've had, or craziest thing I've had happen to me in the timber. Hmm. Like, is there any like you know?
3: I. You know what? It might actually be this past year, actually November eighth, this past season. Um, and and by crazy, I, I mean it wasn't like anything. You know, I saw a zombie or anything like that happen, or a deer, so a, mer- a deer a mermaid. You just yeah, got I me. saw a merman, <laughs> just hooked me. Yeah, <laughs> Cody just sat up straight. I saw, I saw a you know a deer come As soon walking in. he said in. zombie. I was like, what did you say? <laughs> what zombie? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, the, this past November, November eighth, it was uh, it was the craziest day I've ever had in the woods. Um, we videoed, foolproof. There's no like me just exaggerating. Um, we grunted, snort, wheezed, or rattled in um, like 13 different bucks in an hour. It That's was bonkers. Just, Any good ones? I ended up shooting one of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Awesome.
2: Um, so, I, I mean, it was just so nuts. You went, so you went pretty basic with this with this here yeah, scenario. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like you have a good one, bro. No, Cody.
2: dude. I feel like. I don't want to end, end John's here. What thirteen, <laughs> no. 13 bucks? Yeah, yeah, that's no, pretty it, impressive. It was pretty yeah. cool, I
3: and mean, it was it was one of those deals where before that, I can always say that I'd only rattled in or grunted in maybe six bucks, a hundred percent. Not like you rattled and then thirty minutes later he came in. You know, to me, if you're rattling one in, he's there in fifteen seconds. You know, right? right? Um, that was that was pretty friggin' awesome. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. It was. And after like the fifth buck, I'm like, "Oh my god, I've never had a day like that before." And then the next one happened. I was like, "I'm the world's best rattler." (laughs) Nice.
0: All
3: right, Cody, what do you got?
2: Craziest thing you've seen in the timber? So we grunted him when you when you say uh, when you say craziest thing. I I immediately started thinking like just bizarre, off the wall, not even deer related. Yeah, that's yeah. I was thinking of that, and then I realized how not crazy my hunting scenarios are because i really didn't have anything cool to tell like i really wanted to come up with like a ghost story but um <laughs> or a zombie story or something. yeah or something cool but man i i can't are you stumped i think Shoot. i might be stumped i'm like what is the crazy this guy's gonna have to tune back in i'm gonna have to think about this we'll do it to think we'll do another one for a while we'll
0: come up with a crazy one all right we'll move on we'll move on to the next one so this one is uh, I'm looking here. Oh, this guy wants I like to know. Like that question. Do we do I like we like that question? Do we piss out of the tree stand or don't? Yes. Or, or use a bottle. Yes. I do. I do too. I literally. There was probably like a handful of years I used to carry a piss bottle with me yeah. every time until I accidentally thought it was my Gatorade and I stopped. Yeah. Oh, Oh
3: just kidding. Now, no, 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 I will say the only time I would, oh, and, and yes. I and I don't do this during the season a lot. I don't drink a lot of coffee so uh, i do drink a lot of coffee but in the season before i head into the timber i won't drink coffee for that sole purpose if i was a big coffee drinker then i might be more inclined to to urinate into a bottle or a bag or something like that i'm a firm believer that the the ammonia smell dissipates it goes away in like 10 15 minutes or whatever i I don't know that a deer could come up to a to a fresh urine and say, ah, "That's that old, that's that old jerk, John." That's J Bone. Yeah, and it's J Bone there. J Bone's in the woods again. <laughs> I was like, oh, "Let's beat it,
0: <laughs> pissing all over the place." And, and,
3: and the theory behind this is, is I can't even tell you how many times I've been walking into a set, and I know that there's a scrape within 50, 60, 70 yards of my set, and I'm like, eh. "Pee right in the scrape." Yep. And I'll have deer there within five minutes covering up my scrape. You know that big that big buck. You know that when I said in the one podcast buck lure. Yeah. They're like we got old we got old J Bone mature buck over here. J
0: Bone mature. We buck. gotta cover him up. <laughs>
3: what about you? You are you bottling it? You let you I let pee the, in my you pocket. Bur- you
0: you no. pee in your pocket. No no
2: no. You let the bird uh, fly out the tree. I don't have any. Uh, yeah. I if I gotta piss I piss. Yeah. It's a, good, it's
0: a good It's a good. way to approach it.
2: Now, a lot of my shots are, I think I'm conscious about, like, the, the direction I piss off my tree, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, yeah, I've never had any really strong beliefs. What on, are you, like, like, super soaking, trying to <laughs> that, well, long that's, distance? You've got to make, make like, a game out of it, right? Totally I totally mean, have a game out of it. Cody's like, I'll I'll pick, like I'll I'll a, while I'm
0: at
3: it. Yeah. C-O-D-Y. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely picking a leaf and seeing, like, how far I can get. You know what I mean? It's like giving yourself a hernia out of the tree.
2: I um, yeah, I've never had like the opinion. I've heard of guys like you know pissing in scrapes like that and doing yep. the old, um, you know I I've scouted with people who were really super weird about leaving any sort of scent. Oh yeah. And like to that point, like I'm not gonna go, I wouldn't go like piss all over a, a bedding area like right as I'm I'm about to come back and hunt it like just sure just because I probably wouldn't. But if I was hunting that bedding area and had to piss, then I would piss. Yeah right. yeah yeah you know right. so. The, uh, I don't know if that answers the question.
0: No, yeah. it does you pee in your pants? It's okay. All yeah. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> right, next question here. Yeah, we'll do we'll do just like pee in your pants.
0: We'll do just like two more here. What? Uh, so this fella here writes in and wants to know what the biggest hunting
3: mistakes are that we make. Um not being aggressive enough. Yeah, I think that, we've talked about that a couple mine. different times. Yep. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's pretty sh- – this one's a short one. That's mine too. I've I've messed up one deer two years in a row by laying back and being too patient and not going to get them when I thought I knew where they were at. That's that's my biggest one. What's yours?
2: Being too aggressive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say. You just that's screwed up a, all my
3: plans for next year. <laughs> this <laughs> podcast is <laughs> over. <laughs> I'm selling my bow. It's too yeah. hard.
2: Um, biggest mistake – um like is this, like during the season or just in general? I, yeah. I think it's just in general. I think
0: I think it's just in general, but it's like I thought about I mean you could think about it if you wanted to get it into like this past
2: year if there was anything um, you I think I I this might sound like a broken record, but my biggest mistake is dwelling on dwelling on past uh-huh. dwelling on past stuff. I mm-hmm. think it's uh, you know that and I you know not getting into archery more as a sport. Yeah, I'd like to start shooting more and like enjoying to shoot more. Yeah, and getting that like more of a routine, a routine. part of my. Uh, yeah,
0: man, it's like I I, I'll say 100 percent, man. Like I love to shoot. Like I shoot probably four days a week. You know, I yeah. moved to a thumb release this year, so it's like I'm shooting all the time in my basement. Like when it's cold out. You yeah. You know, and I just like the act of shooting. I'll get home from work and fire off like six, seven arrows. You know what I mean? And then feel good. And it's let's that way, it's like when I pick it up, it doesn't ever feel foreign. It always just feels natural. Whenever I hit the season, there's no like. Oh, I gotta get in shape for this. It's just like pick it up. It's like a never left, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So last question here. So this fellow writes in and says, "Well, first one is is I'll, I'll, we'll do oh, two, it's two there's, part. Well, yeah, there's there's two. two. Part um, so this one he says, any way I can get first dibs on some of those mini steps?
2: Yes. <laughs> there, is a, there is there is there is a, way a you can website get first dibs in an um, email list. We didn't yeah. So we didn't open up uh, the pre-ordering yet, but. If you email us, which we've had a lot of people do this, so we're we're definitely getting pretty swamped on this. If you email us um, inquiring about the sticks, you're automatically put on our, our contact list uh, in the order we were contacted via email. So, right. like the first run of sticks, stands, all that, uh, they'll be. Uh, we're going to do a limited edition run on the stands. Um, sticks will be standard, but uh, yes, email us, email us, and let us know you want them, and then you'll you'll get on the on the list.
3: Cool. Uh, I, there was one uh, that came in through mine. Um, Hit it. What optics? Well, not, let's let's back <laughs> up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's still hung up on the he's, DoFon. He's messing <laughs> up. No. Yeah. Um, uh, what optics do you do you run? Um, I'm running Maven Optics right now. Ten by forty twos. That's that's my go-to. I'm running the um, the B ones. I'm sorry, B threes, and I also have the C threes as well. Um, and they've worked really well for me. I'm a big fan of Maven Optics. Um, what What's a you? B1? B1, C1? That's just their models. Oh. Yep. More power? Or? Um, C-Class to AMG, like in the world of Mercedes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. XL, XLT truck, Lariat. Yeah. Gotcha. So There we, you go. Got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Landed, Check. That. Landed that one. <laughs> what about you for
2: optics, Cody? Um, I use uh, – and I have – I feel stupid because I don't think I've ever known how to pronounce this, but Swarovski? Swarovski. Mm Swarovski. That's what I use. Uh, There's a, there's a, me when I was coming up, or when I was super little, dad had like a retro pair of those things, man, and that was Mm -hmm. all we ever used, like when we glassed in the truck, and I ended up getting a, um, getting a pair years ago, and they're just, they're like a small 10 by 42, like compact, but yeah, that's that's what I use.
0: I use uh, Vortex Diamondbacks. Ten by fifty-two. I
2: think. I've actually heard good things about the. Yeah, I
0: picked. The, so funny story track. is like I never used glass to hunt whitetails for years. Never. I would take a small pair of binos. I would break them out once in a great while, right? And then when I went out west for the elk hunt, I picked up a, a, a good pair of binos because I knew I was going to need them. And now it's like, I I don't I don't go on a hunt a whitetail hunt without them. You know what I mean? But they yeah, they're good. They're rugged. They work well for me. I don't need anything more than that, you know. They're they're a good price point. I want to say they're probably like around two hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, um, I've heard good things about those ones. You know, so they, 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 they do the trick for me. But so we've been doing this just a little over an hour. The the uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear booth is getting busy here, as well, as well as the XOP booth. So we should probably cut this short so Cody can get back to work. Yep, 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 before yep. before Irv runs everything into it, the ground.
2: Yeah, yeah, we got. I gotta I gotta wrangle these guys in. <laughs> but before we get
0: going, Come let's – Come on, looking uh, sharp,
3: fellas. Get sharp. <laughs> get sharp.
0: <laughs> let's uh, – Cody, if you wouldn't mind, tell
2: folks where they can find out more information about you, Lone Wolf Custom Gear, XOP, all that stuff. Um, yeah, you can uh, feel free to, you know, check out my Instagram personally at Cody underscore DeQuisto. Uh, any information about uh, the the new uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear products, the the stands, the cameras, the new saddle, um, lonewolfcustomgear.com. You custom or Lone Wolf Custom Gear on Instagram or Facebook. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of updates. Uh, if you're, if you want, you know, promotions, you know, uh, kind of get, get in with things. Go sign up for the email list. Uh, anything on XOP end of things? Uh, XOP gear on Instagram and Facebook or XOPOutdoors.com. Uh, as far as that goes.
0: Cool. Utah. What about uh, what about you? Let
3: the let the fine folks out there listening know where they can find out more about Johnny Utah. Uh, Instagram, mostly, um, at johnny.utah.hunt, um, is my Instagram page, and then, way to same, make it complicated. Yeah, know. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> Got a lot um, of dots in there. There's a, apparently there's a lot of Johnny Utahs <laughs> out there. Jerks. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then at Arrow Wild TV, and Facebook Arrow Wild TV, um, this year is our first year working with XOP over at, uh, over to Arrow Wild, and, Myself and all the guys are super pumped up and excited about it, and uh, Cody and I are going to be doing some stuff on the Lone Wolf Custom Gear as well, so I'm personally super excited about that. As uh, It's going to be an awesome deal. Good cool. year this year. It's kicking off good and uh, working with some good partners, so it's going to be a good year.
0: Awesome. You guys out there know where you can find me. Thanks for listening. Alright, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank Cody for joining. Be sure to check out Lone Wolf Custom Gear at LoneWolfCustomGear.com. They've, of course, got a lot of cool stuff going on as far as New products are getting ready to put out, so be sure to give them a check on their website and then follow them on their Instagram as well. But of course, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast if you could. That'd be super awesome. And before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time... We'll see y'all. Makes me
1: proud, makes me steal. I could show you through the door. Oh I ain't welcome anymore. A long time coming if it all It takes a special knowing to color for image takes. The lights up in numbers, but hi.